0: Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts,
1: Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Well, hey there, ladies and gentlemen, wild card weekend with the famous footballers dfs podcast betsy how are you getting wild this weekend
0: dude it's gonna be it's gonna be so wild um did you just have a little southern twang there with your intro i feel like you know you obviously left the south at this point but clearly that's still a party right there i like that, that, that wild card weekend
1: you know you can take the south from the man but you can't take you know what here's the deal <laughs> with my accent And with where I'm at, I just can't, I can't leave it. I've noticed that y'all comes out a little too frequently. How are y'all doing? Hopefully you're doing well, Betsy. uh, How are you gearing up for your Eagles to somehow make the playoffs at nine and eight?
0: I mean, was there ever a doubt? Let's be real. Um, No, actually, I was thinking about this the other day. It was funny because I was like, man, you know, as an Eagles fan, um, you know, I'm happy. They're in the playoffs. I think we're playing with house money at this point, honestly. I mean, eight and a half, one underdogs against Tom Brady. You know the expectations low, but I remember on the show I had said that I thought the Eagles had a chance to potentially uh, come away with the one seed, or not the one seed, but the first overall pick rather in the NFL draft, and now that looks really silly in hindsight. But yeah, hey, if we win, man, um, let's just say I was ready for it the whole year.
1: Let's just say that your Eagles cost me some money because I was pretty down on them this year. I took an under on their win total at six and a half, and they made me look stupid. But we'll preview that game. We'll preview the rest of this six game slate. Um with playoffs it's a different animal so we're going to talk about strategy. Let's get into the quick question. This one comes from Kevin Gibson. Which slate is going to be better for cash games and specifically when we're talking about that the Saturday games or the Sunday games and this week we have a Monday game where you could play that on kind of a showdown style. So what's your approach on on how you're looking at these games?
0: Yeah, it's sort of fun because however you like to play, there's an opportunity for it this weekend. Um, across both sites. Like you said, they have the Saturday to Monday slates. Both are also offering a Saturday-only slate, which is two games, and then they're also offering a uh, Saturday to Sunday, and then just a Sunday, and then all the showdown slates. So however you like to play, it's going to be there for you. I think if you're playing cash games this weekend, I mean, on the two-game slates, even the three-game slates, the edge is pretty small, especially when you're looking at uh, the player pool shrinking. There's not that much differentiation amongst like finding the best plays, so a lot of people have the same lineups. And it's sort of like one of those things where if you don't have like one of the guys that you need, you're pretty much done. Whereas on a main slate where you have 10, 11 games, you know, you can make a mistake here or there and still cash. So I don't play cash games in these two or three game slates. I'm more embracing that GPP life. I think cash is fine on the six game slate or even the five game slate. But yeah, on the short slates, uh, cash is not for me. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I think for myself, I tend to play more GPPs because you're looking at a pretty small variance. So, you know, you're looking at instead of playing Amari Cooper, you play Cedric Wilson, or, you know, instead of playing Darren Waller, you go all in on Zay Jones. You're just trying to find a little bit of leverage, and it goes a long way. So, yes, I'm with you. GPP life is what we talk about the most. That's what we'll kind of gear this show towards. And for me, it's like a chance to kind of turn bets into this playoff animal, like playoff-style bets. Is a different form, people. He plays pretty conservative throughout the year. He's really good at cash. He likes playing those small fields. But you might see a different side of bets in this episode and over the coming weeks because uh, it's playoff time. So uh, excited for you guys. Excited for a lot of you if this is new. If DFS is new, this is DFS for the rest of us. So we try to explain it in a way that it's accessible and we find that our listeners are pretty profitable throughout the year, especially if they get to use the DFS pass. It pays for itself in one weekend, and you can get the discounted rate if you go to dfspass.com and use the promo code DFSPOD. Betts and I are still putting out articles, pace of play. That Dude, that thing was a monster for me to write. I mean, profiling all six games, the dart throws, um, all of those. So you can get all of our picks for FanDuel and DraftKings in the DFS Pass. But let's talk about these games. Stack Attack. You and I are just going to go game by game and go through these six and talk about them from a stacking perspective. Uh, hopefully for you at home, wherever you're listening, you know, where. honestly, Bets, where do most of our listeners listen?
0: There's only two places <laughs> that's been confirmed across our, uh, our outreach to the community. It's the study that we put out. Um, it's either on the toilet, which is fine, or you're walking your dog. That's pretty much the only two places in the winter that you're doing that. In the summer, I mean, we are built for mowing the lawn. Those are the three places that you listen to the show.
1: That's for sure. Like, I feel like, that's our next sponsorship, like DraftKings. I guess that's fine for a sponsorship for this show, but we're really pushing for, you know, a, a Toro or, you know, John Craftsman, Deere. like some John type Deere. of, yeah. If you guys have a connection, um, if you yourselves, put it this way, if you mow the lawn, talk to us and we'll, we'll get you connected. Um, but this first game we're going to talk about is the game on Saturday. I'm going to be talking about them from the Eastern time zone because that's where Betts is. That's what I'm still used to. I'm still getting used to what it's like to be in Arizona. But Saturday at 4.30, we have the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cincinnati Bengals. This line is Bengals minus 5.5, and, and it currently has a 49 and a half point total. So with these two teams, there's a lot of pieces, honestly. And with the Bengals side, like Joe Burrow has been on fire recently. Uh, Jamar Chase just won people fantasy championships for redraft leagues. But for DFS purposes, how are you handling the Bengals side because I'm going to be honest, I love Joe Mixon this week. He's the RB1 on both sides, but he's super cheap. Like on on DraftKings he's 6800. So fitting him in your lineup, the RB1 is not a big deal this week.
0: No, I'm with you. I like Joe Mixon a lot. I mean, and if you are playing cash on the six game slate, um, I think he's in there for you. I mean, you talk about the price. We're used to playing Joe Mixon when he even gets up into like the you know low sevens or mid sevens on DraftKings. And now he's down below that at 6,800. I think it's an awesome tag. When these two teams played all the way back in week 11, I mean, it was the Joe Mixon show. 30 carries, 123 yards on the ground, two two rushing touchdowns. Can you proje- project that in this spot again? Hard to say. But when you're looking at running backs that profile for cash games, you want volume. You also like home favorites, and that's exactly what Joe Mixon is in this spot. Since he is five and a half point home favorites here against a Raiders defense, they give up the most, um, or the fifth most, sorry, rushing yards on the year. So it's a great spot. I like Joe Mixon a lot. I think the only question or concern I have is just, you know, we've seen these games from him where he gets a ton of volume in the passing game, and then, like, the next week he gets zero targets. So I wish we had that floor to go off of that we knew we could get. It is in his range of outcomes, but still on the ground, this is a great spot. As a home favorite,
1: yes. Joe Mixon's in my cash game lineup. I will play some cash, but um, he just feels super safe. And if you're playing him in tournaments, you're essentially saying that the Burrow side, the Burrow stack, isn't going to get there. Uh, So there's nothing negative I can say about Jamar Chase. Uh, T. Higgins is in my cash game pool on Fanduel at 6900. He's a lot cheaper there. But uh, both of those plays, Chase Burrow uh Higgins they're just elite stacks how would you get different on the Bengals side would you do something where you're doing Burrow Chase and then add in like Boyd or Uzama to get different
0: I think it's viable I guess so I'm gonna push back a little bit on Chase you said that um you, I guess maybe you didn't say this but my take is that you like him this weekend yeah you're in
1: uh, I'm gonna be underweight on Chase
0: okay I am too and I just wanted to point that out like it's kind of scary to fade a guy like Chase because I mean Just look at what he did this year. Like he has those games where if you don't have him, you're literally putting up a zero that week in terms of your your ROI. You're done. But looking at this spot, like Vegas plays a ton of covered three. You know that they play that kind of take away the deep ball sort of approach on defense. That's where Chase has won all year. I mean, you're talking about leading the league in touchdowns that come from 15 or more yards out. That's what he does. And so if he's not getting that. I just, it's tough, you know? I mean, look what he did against KC. Like, he can break off that long run, and he can do it. But I think the spot on paper is not ideal for Jamar Chase. Now, that said, we know he can break the slate. When these two teams played back in Week 11, he went three for 32 and a touchdown. So, I'm not saying don't play Jamar Chase. I'm just saying I'm going to be underweight the field absolutely just like you. I do think, though, if you want to get access to the Cincy passing game, I do like T. Higgins. I also kind of like Tyler Boyd in this spot, which... I'm not going to play it probably in cash or even in like a small field GPP. But if you're talking large field, no one's clicking the button on Tyler Boyd. And because they play that much zone, he's going to get seven, eight targets somewhere in that range, probably in the underneath type stuff. So on DraftKings, I think it's more viable on FanDuel because you need the touchdown. Not super interested, but I do think he's going to come in probably below 10% in GPPs.
1: I agree. Uh, Boyd and I wrote in the doc, CJ Yomama is what I'm calling him right now, but CJ Ozama has had blow-up games this year. Uh, It's a dart throw, if I'm honest. But the Raiders are allowing the highest expected points per pass attempt and the second highest opponent tied in target share. So if you wanted to go Burrow, Higgins, Boyd, or Burrow, Higgins, Uzama on that side, I feel totally fine. I'm going to say that Carr in a large field feels like a sneaky way to get access to points. Like Carr on the road this year is average. Average 293 passing yards. Cincinnati rakes 26 and pass DVOA. I like that side if they're training. Let's say, you know, Mixon's my favorite play. If you had Mixon on Cincinnati's side and then on Las Vegas side, you're double stacking Carr, I feel like it's going to come in super low rostered.
0: Yeah, no one's going to play it. That's for sure. I might be with, with the crowd on this one, though. It's just hard with Derek Carr. You know, like we've seen these games where he blows up for over 300 yards and you know, goes off for several touchdowns. And that's what we think of him. But I was going back this morning looking at his game logs. Like, he just doesn't throw for more than two touchdowns ever. And in a large field GPP, when you have guys like Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes on the slate, Dak Prescott, I find it hard, Tom Brady too, I find it hard to believe that he's going to outscore those types of guys. So I probably am not playing him. I mean, I looked back also and looked at how he does in these kind of cold weather games. He's the worst quarterback on the slate in terms of EPA in those games under 40 degrees, it is going to be about 29 degrees in Cincy this weekend. The the Raiders coming off their Super Bowl, right? That Sunday night game, like I just it feels like a letdown spot to me. And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not going to play Derek Carr this week. Personally, um, I just don't think he has the ceiling.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to mention him as a dart throw, which is what I wrote him up as, you know, somebody that's going to come in, you know, of these 12 quarterbacks. He might come in, I don't know, ninth, 10th, like maybe ahead of Mac Jones head of ben, Big Ben, but, like, yeah, nobody's going to be playing that side. I'm going to give a couple more questions. What do we do with Hunter Renfro? I feel like he's a pretty safe play, but he has super negative correlation with Darren Waller. Waller saw nine targets last week, only two catches. So what are you doing with those two?
0: Listen, dude, Hunter Renfro, this guy, the wider receiver 11 in PPR leagues. No one saw it coming except for me. <laughs> By the way, real quick, that route that he put on in the end zone against that DB, was just unreal on Sunday Night Football. So shout out to Hunter Renfro. Unfortunately, though, I am going to say a couple of negative things about this man. I'm out this week, I think, on Hunter Renfro, especially in GPPs. Uh, The price is getting up there. You talk about that negative correlation with Darren Waller. And let's be honest, his best games this year have come with Darren Waller out of the lineup over the last third of the season. So Waller's back in another week with Waller removed from the COVID list and kind of getting more acclimated back into the offense after the knee injury. That's a knock on Hunter Renfro. And then as well, you talk about um, Zay Jones, who very quietly is starting to carve out a pretty big role in that passing game. And in three straight games now, Hunter Renfro is below 66% of the snaps. Part of that is Zay Jones. So I think if the field is going to play Hunter Renfro, it's a no-brainer fade in GPPs. I do think, though, the floor is okay in cash games.
1: I want to agree with you on the show, or disagree with you on the show, but I'm going to agree with you on that point of the field. The sentiment is that Hunter Renfro is awesome, and you have to play him every single week, no matter what. Um, but there is a downside, and I really like Darren Waller as a contrarian play. If you looked at this game, you said, "I don't want to stack it up," but I could see a ceiling game from Waller. Uh, Bengals ranked 28th in DVP versus fantasy tight ends on the year. I think he's a strong play and I feel like the field is not going to respond. We have good tight ends, right? On this slate. Like it'd be different if we, you know, he was the top option, but like Kelsey and Gronk are pretty elite. Zach Ertz feels like a safe cash game play. I like Waller if you're going to play him in a GPP, but uh with this game, give me your Vegas pick.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take the under. I'm just not getting good vibes about this one for some reason, and part of it is just like we the fantasy community, we want Joe Burrow to be unleashed fully. And I just have this little doubt in my head that like Zach Taylor is going to go conservative in this spot. So we'll see. But I take the under in this spot here for Cincinnati and Las Vegas.
1: I was tempted to take Cincinnati in the points, but I feel like if it was closer to like three and a half or something else, or, you know, then I would like it. So yes, I will go with you. I will take the under um, 49 and a half feels like too much. Let's go to the next game that I am personally very excited about, but maybe not from a DFS perspective. It's New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. These are obviously very familiar foes within the a f c East they split their season series, although we kind of have to throw out one of those games with the snow Bowl um, where Mac Jones threw three attempts. The bills are four point home favorites, and this game is now down to forty two and a half so bets, do you have the weather update since you know you are you are the one that usually knows things best with snow
0: yes that's my area of expertise. Um, it's gonna be cold (laughs) cold in Buffalo currently looking at single digits like towards like two degrees and then the feels like temperature is negative six currently what I'm looking at on my computer obviously it's a couple days away so it could change but I think that's we're looking at a, a situation where we know it's gonna be cold and in this spot you're looking at two offenses that really like on the Patriots that's fine for them like they're happy to control the clock let Damian Harris do his thing and kind of let McCorkle Jones, who we have on the dock here, <laughs> Mac Jones, just sort of you know manage that game, and then Josh Allen, like in his career, uh, he's played four games under freezing temperatures. He's gone under 200 passing yards in all of them. So I mean, looking at the sports books, like Jimmy G is a higher passing prop this week. I was absolutely shocked to see that because we think of Josh Allen as a 300 yard type of guy each week. So it's really tough. Cold t- temperatures, you know, division rival is going to play for the third time this year. Low total it's pretty hard to get excited about a game stack here.
1: Is this a game that you could X out from your pool? Like if you just looked at it player by player, like you're not playing Mac Jones, I'm assuming, um, you know, you're probably not playing the Patriots pass catchers other than, you know, in a large field, you want to play Jacoby or Kendrick Bourne as a one-off uh, Hunter Henry's touchdown or bust. And then you look at the other side and it's like, okay, well, Stefan Diggs is going to project fine from a median standpoint, but with the total this low, would you just X this game out? Are you tempted to do that?
0: I think it's definitely viable. I mean, if you're playing like, you know, the the shorter slates, it's tough to do, obviously. But if you're playing the sixth game, I think it's totally viable to do it. I mean, like you said, it's hard to get excited about the pass catchers for New England. Um, on the Buffalo side, it looks like Emmanuel Sanders is going to be back. So could Gabe Davis just become nothing again? Possibly. I mean, Cole Beasley hasn't done anything in a while. So, yeah, outside of a one-off, I think I'm with you. Um, I do still have some interest in Josh Allen actually naked this week. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting approach in GPPs. He's priced up, so he's expensive. I don't think people are going to play him that much. But when you look at his career you know, in the playoffs versus the regular season, he turns it on as far as his rushing upside, averaging almost 60 yards per game in the playoffs versus about 38 in the regular season. And over the last three weeks, almost averaging 70 rushing yards per game. So if you're going to get that, let's say he gets in the end zone twice, Like in a GPP, that's going to be awesome. So I think I'm interested as a a contrarian approach that way. But yeah, outside of that, it's hard to get excited about many of the guys on on either side.
1: The best part about Allen with the rushing upside is he can make up the difference if he's got a lower passing volume. And right now in our roster percentage report, I have Allen coming in behind Patrick Mahomes, behind Dak Prescott, which Prescott might be the most popular quarterback this week, behind Tom Brady. Um, behind Joe Burrow. Like I have him right now as the sixth or seventh most popular quarterback. And if you knew you were going to get that and the field's playing it that way, then yeah, Josh Allen naked or Josh Allen, you know, double stacks make a ton of sense. And he's had games this year where it was pretty clear, like, Oh, don't play Josh Allen. It's a tough matchup. And he just blew up. So that's what I love about Allen is you can get those huge blow up performances of his receivers. Gabe Davis, at least, is getting the snaps that make him viable. But what do we know about Manny Sanders?
0: Yeah, he returned actually to practice this week in full. So it sounds like, barring a setback, Sanders will be back out there. And I don't really agree with this take, but they have just kind of gone and said, you know what, Sanders is the veteran. He's in. And essentially, Gabe Davis is kind of then rotating in and out of the lineup. And, and basically, you know, he's kind of only there in four wide receiver sets. So if Sanders is in, it would take Gabe Davis off of my player pool this weekend.
1: Yeah, I I just have the hard time clicking a button on any of those ancillary wide receivers. Dawson Knox is seeing a ton of snaps, but New England has killed it against tight ends this year. Um, last thing I want to say is Devin Singletary and Damien Harris. They're getting a ton of usage. Harris is kind of banged up, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but in two games, he scored four rushing touchdowns against the Bills, so he's a good bet to get in the end zone again, especially if this game is going to be controlled on the ground, but Are both of those cash viable, and what are their ceilings?
0: I don't think—well, I guess I'll start on Harris's side. I would not play him in cash. Um, 6,400 is a pretty big tag on DraftKings for a running back who, I mean, each week you can project maybe for a target. Like, that's it. Uh, So I'm not in on him in cash games. I am actually kind of interested in him in tournaments. If you just want to X this game out and just say I'm only playing Harris and maybe correlating it with the New England defense, I actually like that. Buffalo has been kind of vulnerable to the run over the back half of the year. If you look at their season long stats, they look pretty scary as far as a matchup, but they've been um, pretty vulnerable over the back half. So I like that. And then, yeah, for Singletary, it's tough because there's other running backs around his price point, you know, at fifty-five or 5,700, excuse me, on DK and 6,900 on FanDuel that I like a lot more. So I'm not really in on Devin Singletary this week, despite the fact that he has been pretty awesome the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I feel like people will be clicking the button on him because of the way that he has shown up over the last month. They're favorites at home. It projects to be a game where they run the ball. So Singletary will be somebody that I come in underweight. And my stance, just to give a little spoiler here, is I've already taken New England line. I like them to win this game outright. Um, I see in here you have New England plus four.
0: Yeah, I'm with you and, uh, no big deal or moving the lines. Um, I saw it last I looked was all the way down to uh, plus three actually. So it must be all the thousands you're putting in on the money line for New England.
1: Thou- I'm printing the money as we speak. That's the <laughs> wait. No, no, I'm not printing the money. Um, all right, let's talk about Betts Eagles fly Eagles fly play at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One of these teams should be in the playoffs. This other team, they somehow got in at nine and eight. Um, Props to Nick Sirianni. I think we all thought he was a joke at the beginning of the year, but hey, they've done pretty well, and what they've done is basically say, let's run the ball, and let's just keep running the ball over and over and over again. Tampa Bay is 8-point home favorites. This game is a 46-point total, but there has been some weather issues recently. Uh, What do we know?
0: Yeah, it looks like the projection that I saw last was uh, possibly some rain, which isn't really that big of a deal often, but it does look like there's going to be some wind In like the 20 to 30 mile an hour range, which usually that's kind of what you hear around, um, you know, looking at how it affects the game is like, once it gets above 20 miles an hour, that's kind of a concern. We have seen a lot of uh, money come in on the under. So we're seeing this, what did it open? I think it was 48 and a half, 49 and a half. And now it's down to 46. So I guess that does take a little bit of excitement out of this game as far as seeing it kind of turn into a shootout. That said, you know, there's a lot to like still, I think about both sides of the ball.
1: For sure. I, I think Leonard Fournette is going to be somebody in a lot of people's cash game lineup. He's priced way too low on DraftKings 5,900. I think running backs as a whole, we mentioned, are kind of priced down. Uh, Philadelphia is allowing the second most receptions to running backs in the league. And there was a while that this guy was leading all running backs in targets and then before he got hurt. So Leonard Fournette feels like a pretty elite play. Rojo, this is this is my statement to the people. Do not play Ronald Jones at all. I mean, he might not even play at all, but he is priced higher than Elijah Mitchell. Please tell me why.
0: <laughs> I really can't. Um, I want to an dunk analysis, on him though. right now, Kyle. That was just great. You know, hey guys, listen. If if Ronald Jones is out, don't play him this week. <laughs> if it will not work. Well done, Kyle. Very very good analysis on the show today.
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to. you know, there's one person out there that says I'm playing him no matter what. I'm a Rojo <laughs> truther. Don't do it. He's not good at football. Um, so with the Tampa Bay side, are you double stacking Brady? Like we've done the entire year, um, or because this line has moved, you're a little bit more tentative about going all in on the bucks. I think,
0: I mean, unless we see a change in the weather where it's like, you know, like that Buffalo game from a few weeks ago, kind of thing in that case, of course, like adjust, but if it stays in a position where we can still play the game, and feel confident about Tom Brady, I do think he's a great guy to double stack this week. Particularly, I like him actually stacked with Lenny, aka Playoff Len, aka Lombardi Len, this week. You talked about him getting a ton of volume in the passing game. He was averaging almost five receptions per game with Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin in the lineup. Those guys obviously gone. We've got Cyril Grayson with the hamstring issue, so he may not play. Like Lenny's going to get touches in this game, and he's going to get passing work as well. Philly allowing the second most receptions in the league so actually like them sat together and then the other one that I'm really excited about it's not as much Mike Evans it's Gronk I think this is a Gronk game I think he can come out and smash the best matchup on paper in terms of fantasy for tight ends is against Philly and back when these teams played in week six remember that week people in redraft weeks were like yeah I need a guy to fill in for me who can I get Oh, OJ Howard, let's just pick him up off the waivers. He has done nothing for like two and a half years in the league. He comes out, catches six balls, scores a touchdown. So I love Gronk this week. I think he could really uh, excel, especially if the weather is a concern. Like Tom's not going to be chucking it deep. He's just going to kind of pick apart the Philly secondary over the middle of the field in the short-term passing game. So love those two guys this week for Tampa.
1: For sure. I like Gronk on both sides and The biggest thing that I, the only thing I will say about Gronk is he is priced right next to Kelsey. Like you're not getting the same discount that you got earlier in the year, but he's an elite play. Uh, If you you wanted to go Brady, uh, Fournette, Gronk, as Bet said, I think that's fine. Would you run it back with somebody on the Philly side?
0: Yeah, I think you probably have to at that point, because what you're saying is, you know, this game at that point hits the over. Probably you think Tom Brady comes out and has the type of game that we think he could potentially have, which is coming out to win you a GPP, if that happens, he's probably going 300 yards and three touchdowns. And so in those scenarios, you definitely want to be thinking about how does that affect the Philly side of the ball? And I think my lean is to say in those scenarios, it's probably that the Eagles get behind so much that they really can't rely on the running game the way that they want to. So I think in those situations, you would probably want to bring it back with someone like Devonta Smith or even if you wanted to go double tight end, uh, Dallas Goddard.
1: I think Goddard's interesting on DraftKings as a... GPP leverage play over Gronk. Like, don't get me wrong, Gronk's like he's my favorite tight end that you can play. But there's also a chance that he goes out and goes, you know, three for fifty or something, and Goddard catches a touchdown. So Goddard's kind of an interesting tournament play. I do like Devonta Smith. I know he hasn't done a stuff a ton, but still leads his team in air yards by a wide margin. And if those hit, they hit. Tampa Bay is also allowing the highest opponent pass rate in the league. So I think. The way that this game is going to go is Philly's going to get behind and it makes Jalen hurts that much more interesting when we know he has to throw the ball. Like his pass attempts were massively different throughout the year. Like in terms of what he was doing beginning of the year, then they became a run centric team. Um, He averaged 35 pass attempts through the first two months, 35. He's averaged fewer than 24 attempts uh, since then. Like it's, it's the Eagles lead the league in rush rate for a reason because they have a running quarterback but um hertz at 6100 feels really cheap
0: i like him and i also was looking around like what his roster percentage is going to be potentially and it is not high this week which i'm pretty excited about him for tournaments you talked about it you know like even if they get behind you're going to see a lot of dropbacks for hertz if they have to abandon the run but that means good things for jalen hurt's ability to scramble pile up rushing yards, all those sort of things. We know he can find the end zone when they're close. Sometimes they give him a QB sneak, so that's in play this week. So, yeah, I like that a lot actually. And if Jalen Hurts is going to come in and under, you know, other names in this in these spots like Dak Prescott and those sorts of names, Joe Burrow, etc. I I like Hurts a lot for tournaments. Where do you have him right now in terms of popularity for the roster percentage report?
1: It's hitting around the 4th or 5th highest quarterback. It's yeah, just on DraftKings they priced him too low, and everyone knows how consistent he's been. Let me give you a hot stat. You want a hot stat, bets? Ooh, I would love one. Jalen Hurts has 19 career starts in the NFL. Okay, 19 career starts. He has averaged 8.82 rushing fantasy points per game. Okay, so 8.8 8 point, That that's a big deal. To give you context, Lamar Jackson, probably the greatest running quarterback of all time, In his starts in his career, he's averaged 8.6. So Jalen Hurts is giving you top-end production. I mean, he had 10 rushing touchdowns, um, which is just nuts this year. So I like Hurts, and if you're going to do Hurts and just single stack him, pick Devonta Smith or pick Dallas Goddard and don't pick Jalen Rager, that's totally fine. Uh, That's where I'm at in this game. But give me your Vegas pick.
0: Is this a bad pick? I have Eagles plus 8.5. Is that just me being a homer, or what do you think?
1: I mean, these two teams played each other a lot closer, right? What was that, week six?
0: Yeah. I. So what I think could happen here potentially is, like, the Bucks come out, they do their thing, and then, like, the Philly, or the, the Philly, the Eagles come back with, like, a backdoor cover sort of situation. So I will take the Eagles plus the eight and a half, especially with the total coming down.
1: Yes, I would have. This sounds like so hindsight. The under sounded a lot better when it was at 48 and a half. <laughs> uh, 46 is kind of tough. I just, I trust Brady. I trust him at home. So I will take Tampa Bay minus eight. And I wish it was, you know, six or seven, but uh, (laughs) it it is what it is.
0: You just want to set your own Uh, lines and then bet them.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know what? If you want to take the alternate line, uh, do it on those sites. All right, we got a couple more games here. This one, I think, is the hardest to peg because I really could see this game go both ways. San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas is three point home favorites. And this game has a 51-point total, which is the highest of the weekend. A lot of money is coming in on the 49ers right now. A lot of people like the 49ers. They're a hot team. Uh, They're exciting. Do you trust Jimmy G on the road in the playoffs?
0: Not really. But I do trust Kyle Shanahan to come up with a matchup that will exploit I think the aggressiveness of the Dallas defense, specifically with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs and those sort of guys. So I actually really like this spot for San Francisco. I bet their team total over 23 and a half when it was at that. No big deal. It's at 24, so moving the lines. And, uh, and the reason that I like this spot for San Francisco is because I think Dallas' defense is overrated. They've been awesome with takeaways and turnovers and and that sort of thing. But when you look at like PFF coverage grade and uh, yards allowed and, and those sort of things, especially yards after the catch, they are 31st in the league. And this offense is designed to allow Debo Samuel, George Kittle to operate after the catch. So I'm pretty excited about those guys. The tricky thing is that when we see them have a ceiling game, the other one doesn't. So I don't think you could play like... Mitchell and Debo Samuel or, you know, Debo and George Kittle together. I think you have to kind of pick and choose your spots, but I think someone on San Francisco's side of the ball pops off for a big game this week.
1: Yeah. Debo is in my cash game pool on FanDuel at 8,700. It's (coughs) excuse me. That's $1,300 cheaper than Cooper cup. And looking back at Debo Samuel's game logs is a thing of beauty. He's been in double digits on FanDuel, which is a non PPR site. You know, it's half PPR. He's been in double digits for eight straight weeks. It's because the dude is averaging 6.2 yards per carry, and they keep giving him the rock. So when you see that type of usage, you can bank it in. So Debo feels like the safer play. Kittle is the who knows. Like, are we going to see a two for six game, or are we going to see him explode? So always love me some George Kittle, but apart from a contrarian tournament play, that's all you're going to do. But let's talk about Elijah Mitchell. The last two weeks, he has seen an insane, insane usage uh, getting the ball. Jeff Wilson hasn't even touched it. So what are we doing with him? Because on DraftKings, his price is egregious.
0: Yes, he is insanely cheap. And you put this out uh, to me (laughs) and on social media. You were like, what is happening? Why is Ronald Jones more expensive than Eli Mitchell? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Eli Mitchell's role is insane. You talk about it, you know, over the last two weeks, he has 44 touches. Jamechal Hasty has four. Jeff Wilson, as you said, has the same number as you and I. So it's his backfield and his backfield alone. If you think San Francisco can keep the game close and not have to abandon the run game, which is what they want to do, then, yeah, you have to like Elijah Mitchell in this spot. Um, His price tag on DK is just silly.
1: Do you think if people are playing Dallas stacks, and I know we haven't mentioned them yet, but like Dak feels safe. He's turned it on the last couple of weeks. He feels like a very good combo of like floor. We know he has a ceiling three plus, you know, passing touchdowns. Somebody would probably double stack with Dak. Let's say you were doing that. Would you rather go Mitchell or Debo?
0: Good question. I really don't have an early lean on that. I mean, I think both guys are, are awesome. Um, But I guess when you're playing Dak and you're expecting him to have a ceiling game in tournaments, You would probably think that it's because we're having a a sped up clock, so to speak. So, like Debo's hitting long plays and they're forcing Dak to throw and that sort of thing. So, I think I lean Debo in that scenario. And the nice thing about that is if you did want to go that route, like the Dallas side's pretty cheap. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is 6,200. Amari Cooper is 5,900 on DK. Cedric Wilson's 44. Dr. Dr. Schultz, he's at 5,000. So, you can fit that double stack pretty well on DraftKings for Dallas. And then Debo is still pretty affordable as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting how they're priced down. Uh, but yeah, I think Debo's probably the better option. These two teams could not be more opposite in pace. Like Dallas led the league in neutral situation pace. San Francisco, I think, was 28th. So in terms of the game flow, the total says that this is going to be a game that we want action in, that we want a double stack and bring it back with somebody else. But also there could be a scenario where San Francisco gets a hold of the league and they just sit on it. And and this game turns out to be, you know, 20 to 14 or, you know, it just, and it hits the under. So I like this game. It's volatile, but I feel like the route is very clear to me. Like the, it's clear the pieces that I want. It's Eli Mitchell or it's Debo. And then on the Dallas side, I'm going to pick Dak and I'm going to double stack it and forget about Zeke.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy that you were the one to say it. But yeah, I'm, I'm not in on Zeke, man. I mean, he had to like... He barely got to 1,000 yards on the year, and they were clearly trying to get him there against literally all backups for the Eagles. And like, he could barely even do it. It took the fourth quarter last week. I mean, I just I can't click the button on Zeke, so I'm with you. As far as the pass catchers, what are you doing with CD Lamb? Like, he's a guy that I feel like I've just had like tunnel vision on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play CD. He's younger. We're more excited about him. His ADP on underdog in, in all, the offseason was like, you know, 15th overall or something like that. Like, he was a guy we were so excited about. But over the last five weeks, both Dr. Schultz and Amari Cooper are out targeting him. So are you in on CD if you're stacking with that? With, C-
1: with CD, it's really hard because when Michael Gallup was out for a majority of the beginning of the year, CD went outside, Tedrick Wilson went in the slot, okay? When Gallup came back, then CD went to back to his slot position, which is what he did as a rookie. And so his usage, his metrics are kind of all jumbled. He's killed zone coverage this year. and um. And it's hard because I don't know what spot they're going to put him in. Um, I like Cooper in terms of just being contrarian and not as many people will click the button there. But 6,200 for CeeDee Lamb feels too cheap for what he's good at. Um, but, dude, our boy Cedric Wilson is really involved. Like, he's not a dart throw anymore. We have to consider him. So, if let's say you were playing cash and you wanted some action from this Dallas game. Is he viable at on DraftKings at 4,400?
0: I don't want to get stuck chasing week 18 where he was out there and he, he broke the slate if you played, you know, Showdown or if you played that two game slate or whatever. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go there in cash. It's just tough because, you know, you're talking about an offense that, yeah, they throw a lot, but if CD Lamb gets a handful of targets and Amari Cooper gets targets and Schultz and the running backs out of the backfield, by the way, Tony Pollard's back. So it's tough to see a ceiling there or or rather a floor, I guess with Cedric Wilson. So I think I'm out in cash games, even though he does have a pretty good tag.
1: I know that we want exposure to the Dallas passing game. Like that's the route that we want to go because San Francisco secondary is in shambles. They still have your boy, Josh Norman out there.
0: I mean, dude. at this point, Kyle, I think you could probably take the field.
1: Guys, Josh Norman is definitely not Betts' boy. He, he can't stand him. <laughs> it's really fun when you're on a show with somebody that's, that's your friend that basically you and I get to throw out anybody and say your boy and just see how they respond. <laughs>
0: it's pretty funny. You do it to me all the time. Yes, the reason that you're saying that is because I always say and write about in the DFS past, like, listen, Josh Norman is this team's best corner. Josh Norman is not good anymore. So we want to play against the San Francisco 49ers secondary. So that's the reason Kyle saying that. So I agree with you. We we want someone on this team. It's just hard to say who it's going to be because they have so many guys.
1: All right. This is the Sunday afternoon game. So just thinking about that in terms of late swap. um, If you're going in on this game and you're behind, uh, get a little bit different with some of these pieces. Because I know the Dallas side, a lot of people will want. Give me your Vegas pick.
0: Dude, let's go uh, let's go 49ers. I'll take them plus the points.
1: Oh, I struggled with this one. This, like I mentioned before, like this line is perfect. I could see it either way. I'm gonna take Dallas minus three. I just they're at home. I think San Francisco should not have been in the playoffs, but they got in. All right. Two more games. Let's talk about this. One might be quick. It's Pittsburgh Steelers at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are 12 and a half point home favorites in Arrowhead. 46-point total. The Chiefs have almost a 30-point team implied total. What are we doing with the Chiefs? Uh, because it seems like they should steamroll, but Patrick Mahomes, we'll talk about this in a second in terms of his passing prop. Um, the yardage really hasn't been there.
0: It hasn't. That said, they're still among the, the leaders in like pass rate over expectation, not only in general, but also when they get in close in terms of the red zone. So I think you could see a game pretty similar to what we saw last time, where Mahomes came out, threw for about 250 yards, and he threw three touchdowns. Can that win this slate? Sure, especially if the other guys fail. But it's really difficult because I wish we had a spot where you know we would get Big Ben to push Mahomes back and forth. And I just I, I can't see that. So I think he's fine. I'll have, I'll have exposure to Mahomes. Don't get me wrong, but this is a game where I'm pretty excited about the running back for Kansas City, especially if we get one of these guys alone, whether it's CEH or Daryl Williams. And with CEH especially, it is important to point out he was limited on Wednesday. We haven't seen him in a couple of weeks because of his shoulder issue, downgraded to a DNP today on Thursday. So we'll have to see what happens Friday. But if you are getting Daryl Williams by himself in this backfield, we've wanted to, to play our running backs against uh, Pittsburgh pretty much whenever we can in the last couple of weeks. And you could get Daryl Williams by himself.
1: So is this one of those situations, if you knew CH was out, Darrell Williams is a cash lock?
0: I think so, yeah. His his price tag is pretty good, 5500 on DK.
1: Yeah, they somehow become a run funnel. They're allowing the most rushing yards, the highest expected points per rush attempt, and the highest rush rate among all playoff teams. So that's something that you want to jump on. So Darrell Williams, I think, is a really safe play if he's the only dude there. The problem I have with this game is Pittsburgh, and if they can, I mean, can they push Kansas City? I looked this up. The Steelers, over the last three weeks, they've run the most plays in the NFL. And one of those was against uh, Kansas City. They also had an overtime game, but most plays in the NFL. Here were their points in those three games 10, 14, and 16. That's not going to get it done.
0: (laughs) I think it's just the way you said 10. Like you just, you brought it up so well there, you know, queued it up perfectly for yourself. Here are their points 10. (laughs) it has not been good man i'm with you yeah and and really on the road too like historically big ben and the offense just doesn't roll the way they do at home in heinz field so yeah i don't think you have to force a bring back in this spot um it's tough because deontay johnson's gonna see targets but like is he gonna break the slate for you i highly doubt it so i I might not even play anyone on pittsburgh honestly
1: yeah i wrote him up as a cash game play because of the Pure volume. I mean, he had over 100 receptions this year. But in terms of stacking, this is how I'm seeing this game. It's Patrick Mahomes, and then I'll probably play Travis Kelsey with him, um, and then maybe run it back with Deontay. Or I'm playing Darrell Williams in the Kansas City defense and getting out of here.
0: Yeah, I like the Chiefs, Steve. That's a great point. I mean, anytime you have a chance to play a home team that is favored by this much where you know absolutely in the second half Big Ben is going to have to drop back and throw and throw and throw behind a bad offensive line, it's going to create opportunities for takeaways and sacks. So I do like the Kansas City defense if you have the salary to get up to them. And I think correlating them with the running back makes a lot of sense.
1: All right, so the biggest question I have is a player we haven't even mentioned that he's the one player that could break this slate. It's Tyreek Hill. He's failed to 2x on his salary in four of his last five games. Like, 2x is like a cash minimum. So we're not getting any of the rest in terms of his ceiling. So what are you doing with Tyreek I know this past week, like we didn't get much of anything. Uh, I mean, are you, right now my stance is to go underweight.
0: Do you know? Do you have what he is? what are you projecting him for in the DFS pass?
1: His projection is still strong. I think we have him at the. I can look this up. Like the fourth highest for wide receivers.
0: As far as roster percentage.
1: Oh no! Sorry, in terms of just his points projection, um, his roster percentage is is definitely lower than it could be for breaking a slate. It's always scary to fade Tyreek Hill because he can put up 203. Um but I'll look it up and see where he's landing.
0: All right. Yeah, you do that real quick while I talk because I'm going to say my approach really with Tyreek is that I think I want to be I want to do it the opposite of what the field is going to do, right? And it's kind of kind of sounds like a cop-out answer, but we've just talked about there's paths to, you know, Mahomes having an okay game but not an incredible game. And usually what happens is like when Mahomes has those okay games, like Tyreek Hill isn't going bananas. Down the field, it's going to be uh, run, the running back that we want to play. So I think if the field is saying I don't want to play Tyreek Hill this week because I know he has that ceiling, I'll play a couple lineups where it's Mahomes and Ty- Tyreek stacked together. But if the field is going to say like it's Tyreek Hill, he's only seventy one hundred on DraftKings. That's that's too cheap. I'm going to play him. Then I'll probably come in underweight.
1: I think the thing that's different about Tyreek is the price. Like if we were getting Tyreek as the wide receiver two or three on this slate, then I think you know, it'd be different, but like right now, 7,100 cheaper than Stefan Diggs. you know, he's coming in as probably the third or fourth highest wide receiver.
0: Yeah. So I think in that scenario, I'll probably, I'm going to have exposure, but I think I'm going to be a little bit underweight.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough. I just don't see the Steelers being able to push them. And so if that happens, then I like this game to hit the under. Um, I don't believe in the Steelers to hit their team implied total. Cause they haven't even hit that in three weeks. And definitely didn't hit it when they played these uh played Kansas City. So um right now, that's my favorite bet is Pittsburgh doesn't hit their team in blind total. Um what what's your Vegas take?
0: I like that as well. I also love if you still have access to Kansas City minus seven, it's now minus seven and a half most places, but if you can find a minus seven in the first half, I love that. Pittsburgh negative 70 point differential in the first half this year among the worst in football so they are starting extremely slow and it's led to a lot of negative game scripts so i like kansas city laying the points overall i'll also lay it in the first half
1: all right last game we're going to preview before we get into some props and mailbag is a game that i feel like we've talked about so many times this year it's arizona cardinals at the los angeles rams these two teams obviously know each other quite well in the nfc west The Rams are a three and a half point home favorites. And this has a 49 point total. Is it bad that I look at the Cardinals and I see a team that's lost four of the last five and go, is there any way they can win this game?
0: You got to be careful where you're saying that, man, you're surrounded by Cardinals fans out there. So don't say that too loud. Um, But yeah, it's really, it's tough because we know what this offense can be. We've seen it multiple times this year. But I mean, that feels like years ago at this point, like we're talking like in October and September and really a major issue. No surprise is that DeAndre Hopkins is not in the lineup and the Cardinals ranked 21st in EPA per pass attempt since the Hopkins injury. So you're seeing negative plays and uh, less upside rather with guys out there that you're relying on in A.J. Green, and Antoine Wesley compared to DeAndre Hopkins. It makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel the same about the Cardinals offense
1: the Cardinals are just really hard to decipher because there's games where they're super efficient. They're up tempo and there's other games where they just want to run the ball and they just end up not converting and sustaining drives or they don't convert in the red zone. That was Kyler's bugaboo for his first two years. And I just seen that happen more and more without, without Hopkins. What do we know about James Connor heading into this week?
0: Yeah. So he left week 18 very late with a rib injury. And so, as of right now, we're pretty much up in the dark on what's happening because we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, and because this game is the Monday night football game for the first time ever for the playoffs, um, we're not going to have a final designation on these running backs until Saturday. Actually, so we need to basically just say with the caveat, like if both guys are in, I don't think I'm in on this game as far as the, the one I want to play. But we have just seen when either one is out, the running back that's in, whether it's Edmonds or Connor, gets just one of the best workloads and roles in football for running back i mean you're talking about a guy that's going to play around 90 percent of the snaps going to get somewhere in the range of 20 opportunities probably more um so i like both these guys and if you're playing the six game slate one thing that i'm really interested in doing is let's say these guys come in questionable or one's questionable like i'm trying to leave late swap options open for me to swap onto or off of these running backs because if you get one by himself the field is not going to want to wait for that information so if we can get that as a sneaky way to kind of get that running back alone I'm pretty interested in that in tournaments.
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting is the Rams wide receivers. So Cooper Cup is going to be popular. He's going to be probably first or second in terms of roster percentage, um, even at that price. So if you are going to late swap, you have a ton of money to work with, right? Like, I mean, if you're saying, hey, I know Cup's going to be popular and I want to move off of him just to get different or to get ahead, whatever. Then Beckham's down there at 5,100, Van Jefferson at 4,700. I feel like they're going to be super low. And if there's a way for you to get different in this game um, and still have those options available, then uh, those are the two pieces that I want that I want access to. Um, Beckham really showed out against the Cardinals when they played a couple weeks ago on Monday night. Christian Kirk is going to be popular, though. So don't think you're getting sneaky. I, the reason why I mentioned that is Kirk is only $200 more than OBJ, and so that's a really easy pivot to make. If you wanted to in this game, but those wide receivers and the fact that this is Monday, I think is, I think what's going to make or break people's GPPs.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see it there for sure. So yeah, I think that's a great call as far as the late swap stuff. Um, What do you do with Matthew Stafford? Like, are you building around this game? Because I'm not going to lie, people, if you check the DraftKings account, it doesn't look good (laughs) for yours truly over the last couple of weeks. I keep playing Matthew Stafford double stacks and he keeps being okay or bad honestly i mean there was one week i played him in cash remember the game it was against uh the vikings about three or four weeks ago at this point and he just let us down he just burned us so i've been playing him because we know the ceiling is there but he has been not great eight interceptions in the last four games and essentially when he plays that way the rams offense struggles and it, it makes sense right you're giving away possessions and that sort of thing But when he plays these clean games where it's you know no interceptions no turnovers the Rams roll. So they go with Matthew Stafford. And if you think Matthew Stafford can come out and have a good game here in a good spot on paper, he's an interesting, I think contrarian stack that I don't think a lot of people will be on this week.
1: I treat Stafford a lot like a lot like Brady where I, if I'm playing him, I'm double stacking him, right? Like that's, that's how I'm doing this. And so I get it. It's been rough recently. Arizona sports, the lowest pressure rate and gives up the highest percentage of their touchdowns via the air of any playoff team. So if it's going to come anywhere, that's what I want. I'm not probably messing with Sony Michel and the Cam Akers and how that's going to sort out. Um, I just can't bank on that type of usage. So I will be playing Stafford. I mean, I'm probably playing Cup. And then I'm picking one of those ancillary wide receivers. So I like him in GPPs. I'm choosing to believe because I I, I got burned last week. Last week, when they were up 17-0 against the 49ers, I thought that was a done deal. Like it was just over. And that was, you know, going into really the second half. So um, when these two teams have played, this game has hit the over 53 and 57 points. So I like the offense for the Rams. What are we doing with Kyler? Like, can you play him naked? Are you playing him with Kirk? Are you playing him with Ertz?
0: Well, real quick, before we move on to Kyler, um, I just want to point out Tyler Higby as a very contrarian type of play. The, the only question I have is on a slate like this, where you have Darren Waller, Kelsey, Gronk. I mean, Goddard can get there. Heck, Zach Ertz can get there. Like, it, there can be any of these guys, I think, can finish as the tight end one. Do you think Higby has that in his range of outcomes? I mean, he's caught five-plus balls in four straight games. And looking specifically at the last two weeks, like, his role is insane. 97% snap percent of the snaps, 94%, nine targets, eight targets. I'm kind of interested in him in terms of a low-rostered GPP stacking partner with Stafford. Are you with me on that or not really?
1: I I can't click the button with Higby because his ceiling outcomes. I know he caught two touchdowns. I just, for the most part, will bet against him doing that again and winning a GPP. It is interesting because Ertz, you know, will be the dude. Like people will play him in cash. He's going to be super popular because of his usage. So in the same game, I think it's fine in terms of contrarian pivot, but other than stacking with Matthew Stafford, you're not playing Tyler Higby as a one-off at all. Um, so that's where I'm at. But um, if you knew that Connor was out, let's say Connor was out. Chase Edmonds gets elevated in your mind, especially on DraftKings.
0: Oh yeah. 5K, way too cheap for the role he would have.
1: Yeah. I I mean, we, I feel like you and I have always loved some Chase Edmonds. He was on our big dog team. Um, we stacked him with Kyler, which we thought would be kind of unique. So uh, big fans of Chase Edmonds and his passing downs work. I just don't believe in the Cardinals offense to be able to keep up. And I just feel like their pieces are just so scattered. that The the targets are not condensed enough other than Zach Ertz for me to fully believe in someone. If it's anyone, it's Kirk, but he's going to be popular. So um, I'll play Kirk, but I also understand if you want to come in underweight just to not be with the crowd.
0: Yeah, and you asked me too about um, Kyler, and I kind of – I said, let's talk about Tyler Higby instead. <laughs> uh, to go back to Kyler, it's so – difficult because we know what he could do you know we know he can break the slate with his legs and he has been running a little bit more but for this slate with the names that are on it like we talked about already you know Mahomes Josh Allen all those guys like Kyler's not gonna have to do he's gonna have to do it with just his legs and his arm like he has to have that in in this to kind of win you a GPP and just since the DeAndre Hopkins injury like looking at back at his game logs like he really hasn't passed I'm looking here the highest has been 263 through the year He's thrown two touchdowns just once in that time frame. His touchdown rate is down to 3.6. Like, it's going to regress eventually, but yeah, it's tough to get excited about the passing game. I really probably will stay away because the other thing with that is that you know who to stack him with. You know it's Christian Kirk, and you know it's Zach Ertz, and those are guys that I definitely want to be fading in GBPs, given how popular they're going to be.
1: Alright, give me your Vegas pick.
0: I'm taking the Rams. Minus three and a half.
1: I am taking the Rams as well. <laughs> Straight cash, homie. I'm repurposing that drop for us this week, Bets, because this week, Bets and I are introducing a new segment. No, it's not straight cash, homie. Uh, We're going to give some player props that we like. It's something we do throughout the playoffs, it's kind of a tease for people. And if you like it, please give us some feedback. Uh, But Bets and I are going to go through at each position a prop that's either on DraftKings or it's on Fandle Sportsbooks and kind of our stance on it. We'll go through these pretty quickly, but you can place these at home. Bet says they're 100% lock. You can put your mortgage on it. Totally fine.
0: Guaranteed. Stone cold locks of the week.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, hit us with your quarterback one first.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'll take Josh Allen over 39 and a half rushing yards. Uh, you can get this, or at least you could when I found it. I think they took it down recently. So check on Fanduel what they have, but the last time I looked, it was 27 and a half. That is way too low. I think we'll see it come up. But I'll I'll officially say over 39.5 yards on DraftKings, minus 115 juice. Listen, we talked about it. Josh Allen in the playoffs runs the football. And over the last three weeks, averaging uh, almost 70 rushing yards per game, even if he has a little bit of regression, I think he can still get over this mark. In a cold weather game where I don't think he's going to have a ton of success during the football, I think he has to run for them to win. So give me over 39.5 yards.
1: I'm going to give you two unders, the old man unders, which I know nobody likes rooting for unders in football, but unders will make you some money. Right now on DraftKings, Mac Jones, I put at under 200 passing yards. Doesn't sound like a lot, but on the road this year, he's averaged 195 and in wins, which I projected in the win, he has averaged 204, but I just don't like the way that this game is shaping up weather-wise. So it felt like an easy one to say, you know what? I'll go with the odds here and go with the under. And then let me give you one more. This one sounds a little bit riskier. Patrick Mahomes right now. His line is set at 277 and a half yards. I will take the under on that. Patrick Mahomes has hit that total once in his past seven games. The defense has just been cooking and I don't think big Ben will be pushing them. So I'll take the under on Patrick Mahomes passing yards.
0: Nice. And yeah, and also listeners, just so you're aware, don't, take this as DFS advice. This is completely separate. So we're not saying don't play Mahomes because we don't think he can throw for 270 yards. This is totally separate. But um, yes, I'm with you. I also took Mac Jones under 19 and a half completions the other day. So I uh, am with you in terms of I don't think it's going to be a Mac Jones game. At the running back spot, I'm going to go Josh Jacobs under 20 and a half receiving yards. And the reason for that is Jalen Rashard, who if you look at the routes run from these two running backs over the last month of the season since Richard came back, he has started to trend upwards in routes run, Josh Jacobs coming down. I just 20 and a half is, is kind of a lot for for running back in general. so I will take the under there and then I like Elijah Mitchell over 18 and a half rush attempts because he's done it every game <laughs> he's just done it every single game when he's had the opportunity to get the full workload. Kyle Shanahan absolutely loves this dude, gone over this mark in four of his last starts, so I will take Eli Mitchell over 18 and a half rush, rushing attempts.
1: All right, I'll hit you with two running back ones really quickly. Damien Harris, to score a touchdown against Buffalo, is plus 120 right now. So I took that one just to get in the end zone. He has four touchdowns against Buffalo this year, including a three-touchdown game. So if I like the Patriots to win, I think it's going to come through the ground. If it's going to come through somebody, I'm believing it's Damien Harris. And then this one's kind of quirky, but Jamichael Hasty, his receiving yards line is 8.5 yards. Did you know that he's run just as many routes – over the last three weeks, as your boy, Elijah Mitchell. So he's matched him there. And if this game goes south in any way, I think he'll get some more passing down work.
0: I actually did know that. I was looking at uh, some Elijah Mitchell Dang receiving it. props today, and I was like, oh, look at that. And then I saw you had Hasty in the docks. So I was like, yeah, we'll just roll with that. But yeah, no, he is running um, just as many as Elijah Mitchell. He's kind of operating as the passing down back. So I think that's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, eight and a half yards is... If you've ever done this, a wager on over under when the yards are that low, it is crazy frustrating because it's super low for a reason. I had one last week with Adam Troutman, and his over under was at nineteen and a half yards. First catch of the game, eighteen yard touchdown, and I sweated <laughs> out. He didn't have a catch the rest of the game. I took oh, the under. Those
0: are the absolute worst. Yes, those are the worst. Um, but that that play is sharp. I like the, the over for Hasty. Um, I'm going to take an under for a wide receiver. I'll fade Jalen Reger at this point. I mean, <laughs> under 17 and a half receiving yards, I think you just look at how this team values Jalen Reger in a game where they sat everyone. And I mean, they sat everyone. He played almost every snap in week 18. Jalen Reger has games in his game log where he has zero or negative receiving yards. I, I don't, I mean, can he go over this with one catch? Absolutely, sure. But in crunch time, in playoffs, are they going to target him? I doubt it. And as well, we mentioned there's some weather concerns here, so I will take the under for Jalen Rager.
1: I'll take another under. So you you took the great Jalen Rager. I will take the great Brian Edwards in his prop line of twenty three and a half receiving yards. I will take the under in his last eight games. Brian Edwards, he's averaged a robust one point six receptions and seventeen receiving yards per game. I will take the averages on that one.
0: Yep, that's a good call. Um, A tight end. I will like a a, a prop here that I will say with the weather coming in, it's a little concerning now that I've I've already put it out there, but I'll still go with it. Gronk over five and a half catches is plus money. Like I said, I expect Brady to just pick apart the zone defense for Philly and target his boy, Rob Gronkowski. And so I was going to go with the receiving yard prop, but I'm going to go more with the receptions here. I think I'll just get enough targets and enough catches to get over that five and a half.
1: I started to get cute with my tight end one and I instead took the same exact line. So I bet that one right when I saw it in the doc. So Gronk nice. over five and a half at plus money. Let's get into some mailbag questions. Mailbag. All right. You can send in your mailbag questions to at Kyle underscore Borg or at the fantasy PT. We have a couple of specific questions related to the playoff. This first one is from T Dugues. He says, who's your favorite anytime touchdown score and two touchdown score on the weekend? I already mentioned Damian Harris at plus money right now. It's hard to find running backs that are projected for that volume to be plus. So like Joe Mixon, you're not going to find those kind of odds at all. Um, But anybody that stands out to you.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I took Josh Allen here. uh, He's plus 180. We talked about it. You know, the rushing is going to be there. So I like Josh Allen to score this. By the way, if you're new to this, it has to be with his legs. This is not a passing touchdown. He has to run the ball in, or I guess in theory he could catch one um, on a trick play. But he's my answer for that. And then for a guy that I think can score two touchdowns, I'm in love with Gronk this week. That's the bottom line. I think you, got, you guys can tell that by now. Plus 55 um, on the odds there, 5,500. So like Gronk this week, score two touchdowns.
1: Yeah, it's really hard with two touchdowns to like, I mean, any, anybody could do it, but the odds are just never that great. So I will throw out one. I mean, Jamar Chase is plus 600, so at least you're getting somebody that you've seen do it. Uh, I just I don't like to throw out a lot of those with two touchdowns. It's, it's just tough tough to do. But on FanDuel, Jamar Chase at plus 600 um, feels okay to me. All right, this one's from Kendall Lowe. Any different strategy for head-to-heads on a smaller slate?
0: Yeah, good question. If you are playing head to heads, we talked about it. It's not the best idea, we think, in terms of getting an edge in the like two game or the three game slate. But if you're playing the six game slate, be sure to be ready to late swap. And you can late swap specifically for your head to head matchup. You don't have to, you know, alternate or take out, I should say, um, a player in every lineup when you do this. So when you're going into your head to heads, you can see who your opponents have already played. Obviously, you can't see who they're going to play, but let's say. You, you're on Saturday, and, and let's say for some reason you played Josh Jacobs. The other guy played Joe Mixon, and he went off for two touchdowns. You know you're starting from a deficit, so you might want to kind of get different elsewhere at that point. I think being willing to late swap and head-to-heads throughout the weekend is a very, very good strategy.
1: The interesting thing for me on this slate with late swap, because that's the main point. That really is the main point of you differentiating. The running backs I've mentioned are underpriced. But the best running back plays on this slate, like Leonard Fournette, we talked about, Elijah Mitchell, Najee Harris is going to see a ton of volume. Those are all Saturday guys. Like, those are all guys that we're saying – I mean, Sunday guys. Sorry, Sunday. Those are the second day. So you're basically passing up on the early slate like people that – I mean, we love mixing this week, but you're also passing up you know, Singletary. So on a roster percentage standpoint, just be able to look at certain positions – and look at the slate and say, okay, who are going to be the guys that everybody's going to want to play? So Cup, for instance, is that Monday night game. You can bank that a lot of people are playing him in their lineup. Maybe it's Christian Kirk in their lineup. I know CeeDee Lamb on DraftKings is probably going to be pretty popular at 6,200. Um, I feel like the, the Vegas wide receivers, that's the biggest conversation point for me. Who is playing Zay Jones and who is playing Hunter Renfro? I think those two are going to kind of cannibalize each other on the first game, but you can tell from your head to heads early on, like, okay, this is what still is to come. I mean, there's not that many choices. You can actually figure out what else is in somebody's lineup um, and be able to do that. So uh, I, I would just say, look at your lineup and say, what are the different pivot points for me? Because we don't love playing cash on these. I don't love playing head to heads on these uh, because there's so much variance. Any other thoughts you have on head to heads?
0: Uh, no, I think we, we talked about all the main points.
1: All right, last question here is from Kevin Kernick. He said, what would be some rules or correlations you would be willing to break or bend on a slate like this that could give you an edge? Things you wouldn't normally do on a full slate. This, people, is where bets gets real wild. Oh,
0: let's get weird, man. Yeah, so we always talk about, you know, it's not great to play your your players against the defense you're playing. So let's say, for example, if you're playing the Saturday slate, like it would make a lot of sense to play Josh Allen and Steph Diggs against the Patriots defense. But if you're playing a two-game slate, like there are no rules. It is the wild, wild west. You don't need to think about things as an optimal outcome in this sort of situation. So I think that's one that you want are willing to throw out. Not saying you should definitely try to play your defense against those guys, but if it fits, don't be afraid to do it. And then I would also say too, like, we often don't play the same running back in the same game or two running backs from the same team. Like, let's just say the game script goes where the Patriots smash the bills and no one saw it coming, but you had both Ramondre, and Damian Harris in the same lineup. No one else is going to have that. So I think just be willing to throw out those roles, get different if it's a small slate. I think a a good take on point is the smaller the slate, the more variance you want to embrace and the more uh, different you want to get in those lineups.
1: Yeah, I don't mind playing my quarterbacks naked, especially the ones that we have rushing upside. Jalen Hurts is one of those. Like, Let's say he runs in two and throws one. Like, Okay, well, I don't have to have that one. Let's say that touchdown is to boston scott or it's two-year boy jalen rager or quez watkins like i don't have to have that player in my lineup and so hertz is somebody that's cheap enough that has the upside to be the qb1 on the slate and normally i'd want to double stack so i'd want to play my matthew staffords or um or tom brady but i'm willing to get a little different in my construction so that when i get to those um, games i just have a different construction from everyone else so Yeah, just be willing. I mean, I wish we could give you set rules and say, don't do this, do that. Like, just have fun. Like, figure out this is a game within a game. And so the game theory part of it, knowing what we know on Saturday, knowing what we know on Sunday, and before that Monday, like, you get to use that information for late swap. So yes, late swap is probably the biggest piece of advice that we could give of learning how to adjust throughout the week. If you want to play with us in our wild card weekend matchups on. DraftKings. You can go to BallersDFS.com. It's where bets and I play. It's where bets steals everyone's money. You go to our DraftKings League's Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg plus bets for a wild, wild weekend. I'll probably take a nap at some point, but uh, definitely, definitely uh, jump in with us if you want to be a part of that process. Bets, why don't you sign off for Wild Card Weekend?
0: It should be wild. Yeah, it's exciting. I think what's nice about this slate is that if you did want to take a nap kind of in between games, you could do it because they're all island games. So take a nap. Be ready to late swap though. And uh, let's just go Eagles. Come on, baby. Let's upset the Bucks. fly' will fly. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.